My name is Nick. And I'm Damien. And you're listening to the EQIQ Podcast. This is where the independent scientist and biotech entrepreneur come to find new paths to success. Join us as we discuss strategies to launch your vision, grow your team's potential, and uncover hacks to push your career well beyond what you thought possible. It's important to recognize that a research lab like a company, like any new venture, is a team effort. And some of the roles that one plays in a company are forward-facing, like a lead singer in a band. Uh, And some of the roles are behind the scenes, like... Pablo here, keeping the sound for the uh, for the podcast, but not any one role is more important than the other. And actually, all of the roles need to work together to facilitate success. One of the very interesting observations I went through during my academic journey was recognizing that while science should be cooperative, and I was definitely brought up on a culture of science being a collaborative effort, how science is practiced within an academic setting tends to be very isolating and a very individual practice. Yes, a lab is a team comprised of many different people contributing to a greater whole. Um, and, and that team dynamic does very much exist in the lab. But labs within academic settings tend to be islands in and unto themselves. And they try to erect barriers to protect their science and keep others out and, and do something unique and different from everybody else. And it was that sentiment that resonates particularly well with me. That's not how I envisioned science needed to be done. I think it's important to remember that whoever is buying into these ideas at these early stages, they are literally buying nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And and they're very much investing in you, the person Mm -hmm. that is presenting them with this idea. Because Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. this idea, they're not really going to get anywhere. And it's good that you say that because they are purchasing or basically buying an idea that they believe in or they believe in the individual that is presenting this idea. And so they're actually investing not only their time, but their money Mm -hmm. into a vision that you say you can create. As Damien always says, there's this thing called physics. And we can't be everywhere at once. (laughs) Oh, the pesky old (laughs) physics, you know. You have a mindset Mm -hmm. saying, I don't have enough. It's just not enough. That's a scarcity mindset. This contrasts with an abundance mindset saying, I understand these are my available resources and the things that I have. This is the amount of money I have. This is the amount of time I have. However, I'm sure I'll be able to get more of this. I'll be able to provide myself in the future more time or money. And so this abundance mindset takes an account of all your available resources and doesn't see it as a rate limiting factor, but as a goal to actually increase those rates and limits. Right. And it's not necessarily a a positive Mm -hmm. versus 
is negative. You know, we're really looking at resources going forward. And even myself, you kind of get caught in some of the definitions sometimes, because when you think of positive, you think of more money, you think of more things, more projects. It has more to do with how you're going to move forward using the means that you have available than how much positivity you're feeling about all the projects that you have. Where everyone is wearing multiple hats, Mm -hmm. and it usually falls on these scientists to take on that assistant role, and they're not used to providing things that are givens to someone who's used to being an administrative assistant. So think options, think about presenting tasks before they're completed. Mm -hmm. That way, we're not wasting time on redoing. Mm -hmm. There's definitely an element of uh, ownership Mm -hmm. over certain things. You know, it's a different type of ownership because someone who is assisting the main decision maker, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that be a CEO or a Mm -hmm. PI, they should know that, you know, the options that they're going to provide, one of them will be taken or potentially none of them will Mm -hmm. be taken. Someone who's feeling a little bit more possessive over this, who's not used to being in this situation, might, you know, feel awkward Mm -hmm. or might feel Mm -hmm. bad. (laughs) Really, (laughs) they might take it very personally that you don't want any of their options. And I kind of want to like, Add to that, Nick, to kind of create a little bit more clarity in and around a candidate or a, a new employee, their, their ownership of it. I think we, we want inherently people to own their position and take accountability for it. But I think that becomes subjective because when we're not clear as an employer as to what we want, we always have to kind of default back onto how we feel. And it's just, you kind Mm -hmm. of inherently know what it should look like, but how to give and deliver feedback on that. And so one of the things that we try to do in, say, the interview sessions is having them give examples of a subjective outcome. (laughs) 